Amen. Some of you will remember back in 2010 when Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi said, it was right around the passage of the Obamacare Act, right? And she said, uh, remember that infamous line, we must pass the bill so that we can see what's in it. And the whole nation got to scratch our heads and say, I don't think that's the way it works, right? Like, aren't you first supposed to find out what's in it and then vote for it? Now, some of you are freaking out going, are we going political today? No, that's not our thing. Uh, but, but it was just a good example of how, look, you don't commit to something before you find out what's in it, right? Except that pretty much every one of you has done that last week. Remember, as we're going through Luke, we looked last week at a passage where there were three dudes who said, I'll follow you, Jesus, and they tried to negotiate for a better price, and they wavered and they waffled, right? And then we ended that service with a song playing where you could make a decision, and most of you stood up and declared, I have decided to follow Jesus. Now, this week, you get to find out what's in that. You've already signed down the line. You've already committed. But in today's passage, we're going to go, oh, wow, there's a lot to that. In fact, it's all about go. We have a thing at our church. We say, no, grow and go. Know Jesus Christ personally. Grow in your relationship with him and go out to advance his kingdom. And if you follow Jesus, you will follow him into going. You must go. And that's what our passage is about today. We're going to look at get going. Get going. Five things. I'll warn you, it, I've got 24 verses. It's a big passage. I'm going to be stepping on the gas. Buckle your seatbelt, okay? There's a lot to cover. Uh, participation, provision, rejection, celebration, and appreciation. So let's jump into that first one. Participation. Who participates? Well, this comes out of, we are now in Luke chapter 10, all right? So the first two verses say this. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two in every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, this first section about participation is our longest section that we'll talk about together this morning. And because of that, I'm going to break it down into who, where, when, and how. Now, with participation, the who is every disciple, actually, is the answer to that. You see, we're at the beginning of chapter 10. At the beginning of chapter 9, Pastor Jared gave another great sermon and, and from him. I mean, he nails it every time. And, and in that sermon, that was when he, then Jesus sent out the 12. Remember that? And I get that. We get that. Like the 12, of course, the 12 apostles. They're like super disciples, right? They're like disciples on steroids. They're pastors. They're ministers. Of course, Jesus sends them out. But who in the world are these 72? That's the congregation. That's the entire congregation. Every disciple, every Christian was being sent out. Now, the 12 apostles had unique authority, yes, but just being a part of the congregation makes you a disciple means you are going. You got to get going. This reflects a Reformation principle. And that I mean the Protestant Reformation, we gleaned several things from the scriptures, and we are part of that tradition, and that teaches us this, the priesthood of all believers. And what's that about? Well, first you got to understand what priesthood means. The, the conception of the understanding of priesthood is this, that you guys are just like little minion Christians. I'm a priest, which means I'm up above you. 
below God, but above you. And so I'm your mediator, so your relationship with God would go through me, and God would speak to you through me, and so I'm above you little people. I'll give you a hint. I ain't no priest. <laughs> I ain't so, but, but that's the conception. Now, the priesthood of believers, what we understand from that is, no, if you are a Christian, if you are a disciple, you are a priest. You are an exporter of Jesus Christ. And so the concept here is that the ministers are not just in the pulpit. The ministers are in the pews. And so my role as a pastor is simply to equip, according to Ephesians 4, equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Which means then that I am just equal with you. I am just like you. We're just disciples doing the ministry of Christ together. The one significant difference between you and me is I get paid for it. Which makes you all suckers. Because I figured out when I was a young Christian, wait a minute, I have to do this either way? I, might, I don't get paid much, but I might as well get paid, right? So that's, that's why I'm in minute. No, I, there's greater reasons than that. But all right, so... Some of, you, some of you would say, wait, 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 but I can't do that. I can't do that. Listen, here's something that might help you. You don't have to be awesome, which for some of you puts you right in your wheelhouse, right? Like, you don't have to be awesome, though. You're saying, whew, listen, you just have to go. You just get going. You have to try, be willing. God will use you because it's not about the delivery. It's about the message that you carry. I want you to imagine for a second that you are about to drink, unbeknownst to you, a cup of poison. And somebody comes up to you, knucklehead comes up to you, he smacks it out of your hand, and he stutters, he says, don't drink that glass, poison, turd bucket. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, what? Like, okay, so the guy's delivery was not great, right? I mean, he messed up some details. He said glass instead of cup. Oh my goodness, that ruined everything, right? And, and he smacked it out of your hand, and he stuttered, and he, well, what was the turd bucket thing, right? Like, what's with, but you know what? What would you say? What an idiot. I'm not listening to him. Give me the poison. No. You'd say, dude, thank you for saving my life. It's not about the delivery. It's about the message. You would be so grateful to that guy. So listen, don't make it so complicated. If you go and you get going with a good heart, sincere heart, don't worry about it. Now, can you get better at representing Jesus to others? Well, sure, absolutely. But it is on the job training. You don't get trained and then get going. You get going and then you get trained. It's on the job training. Some of you would say, well, but I don't have a seminary degree. Neither did the 72. Well, yeah, but you know what? I, I, what if I get a question that I can't answer? There's really only one who can never be asked a question that he can't answer. That's God himself. So now your standard is, once I become God, then I'll get going. And yet he sent the 72. At risk for getting questions they can't answer. I don't know. Oh, well, what about this? Well, but I'm not gifted. Yeah, look, some are more gifted at reaching out to others than other Christians. Yep. You know, in prayer, some are more gifted in prayer than others. Every Christian is supposed to pray. Just because you're not gifted in reaching out doesn't mean you don't do it. You're just not as gifted as the next, right? So here's, here's what I'm saying real clearly, all right? You're not awesome. But the message you carry is awesome. And the God who sent you is awesome. And that's enough. That's where the awesomeness resides. And we're set. We're good. See, we've been trying to get you to grasp that the 12 apostles aren't that awesome. But if you won't give us that, would you at least assume that the 72 weren't that awesome? 
And yet they were sent out. They were just willing. They were following Jesus, and therefore they got going. What this will cause you to wrestle with is, are you a disciple or a consumer? Disciples get going. Consumers stay in order to consume some more. Disciple or consumer. So, no, grow, go. Go is an essential part. You have to have all three to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So, who participates? If you're a Christian, you too. You got to get going. In fact, you're going to hear me say get going a lot this morning. I want to hear you say it. Everybody say get going. going. Turn your neighbor. Say get going. going. Not yet. I have more sermon. All right. Say put for now. But uh, you get the idea, right? So, all right. So, that's who. It means you too. Okay, but where? Where do you go? If you notice in the passage, Jesus sent them to, quote, every town and place. That means like everywhere. The entire globe is his mission field. So this brings up the issue of, of course, international missions. We're fans. We've already commissioned and sent out Katie and Devin. They're right now in Asia in a country I can't even name, serving Christ. And they, uh, actually, they'll be on furlough in a couple months. They'll be back with us. We'll celebrate with them. Katie will give birth to their child, and then they'll go right back. We love them. We are on board with them. They feel so supported by this church. That moves me so much. You have no idea. There's two other couples who are not just thinking, no, they're, they're going. They're already uh, signed up with pioneers. They have a, a tentative placement, and they will we'll be commissioning them soon and sending them out. Love it. There's another young guy that's thinking about following them into it. There's other, a handful of other couples that I've talked about that are thinking about mid-career shifts, maybe leaving it all here and going into the mission field. We love that. I would love a revolving door where people come in, get trained up, and they get sent out internationally. That'd be awesome. But the problem with that thought is that you think that missions just means going internationally. And if you're not going into international missions, you're not crossing some body of water, then you don't have to do it. You don't have to get going. And that's just not the case. Jesus came from heaven to earth. And when he did that, he declared the whole earth is his mission field. Does that include your neighborhood and your coworkers? Let me ask you, are they on earth? And if so, then that's his mission field. So international missions, yes. Your neighborhood, yes. Absolutely, absolutely. So what I want to have happen then is I'd want every one of us here at Redemption to have a five most wanted list. Always. Five people that you are trusting God, asking God to let you minister to them. And you see a way to do that. Prayer, care, share. Just start praying for them. And then you're going to be looking for ways that you can practically care for them. Express love and and blessing to them. Maybe it would be, hey, how can I pray for you? Prayer, care, and then, oh, uh (laughs) uh-oh. Number three, share. Yeah, you actually share the message of Christ with them. Now, that's the part where we get a little bit bunged up. We get a little nervous. Don't make it too complicated. It is a broken world out there. People are lost and they are hurting. They try to pretend, but they are faking it. They are hurting underneath. Most of them, at best, have encountered a religious view of Christianity. They have not encountered the risen Christ himself. And so your job is just to go to, not to tell them a message of morality, of what they must do, but to tell them about what Christ has already done for them. Tell them how it's changed your life. Tell them you love them and want the same for them. That's it. It's not too tough, is it? I mean, if it still sounds difficult, I want to let you know about a tool out there. It's not ours, but I'll let you know about it. Crew, I think, put it together. It's called God Tools. I've got it on my phone right now. 
You can download it and load it for free. In fact, we'll send out, after the service, we'll send out a link so that, uh, I hope you're on our email list, but make it clickable for you. You can get it on your phone. And it just walks through the gospel, the message of Christ. You can do that. Hey, I want to tell you about it. I don't know what, I'm not good at communicating. Can we just walk through this together? Make it easy for you to communicate the message of Christ. Now, I want you to think about that. What if everyone, you know the size of our congregation at this point? What if everyone at Redemption had a five most wanted, that in 2019 we do prayer, care, and share? That idea gives me high blood pressure. We better get the worship center done quick, right? <laughs> like, and, and, and we're working on it, but we'll get there. All right, so that's where, where is your neighborhood? You do it, right? Now let's talk about when. The when of participation is right now. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, which means it's harvest time. You know what happens at harvest time? All hands on deck. All other jobs can wait because the the crop is ready, it's ripe, and if we don't bring it in right now, it's going to be ruined. We got to get to it. Let's get going. So one act of Christian discipleship, this is interesting, one act of Christian discipleship that you cannot do in heaven is tell the gospel to somebody who doesn't know. Everyone in heaven knows the gospel, right? You are called to get going, which means only now do you have the opportunity to represent Christ like that. Don't miss out. We'll be home in heaven someday. It'll be too late. Don't miss out on that right now. So that's why there's urgency in Christ's words. Get going, get going. And how do we do it? Well, the how of participation is interesting. It's like this, this uh, paradox. He, he tells you to pray. Did you notice that? He says, go pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So he tells the 72 to pray, but he also sent the 72. Did you get that? Do you know who they were praying for God to send out? Them. Right? See, what we want to do is we want to go, God, I really pray that you would send out into your harvest someone else. What if you say, God, I pray that you send your children, your disciples out into your harvest. And oh my goodness, I'm a child and a disciple. You are praying for yourself to go. You pray, but you go. Everybody has to get going. Everybody say, get going. Get going. Okay, so that's the issue of participation. All right. Now we're going to talk about, next, we're going to talk about provision. Provision. And we see that as we continue in the passage. Now we're in verse 3. That was just two verses, so we'll get busy here. Verse 3 says this, go. All right, you get that? Go. Get going. Go. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Great. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Did any of you like me when you read that, like, greet no one on the way? Like, how rude. <laughs> like, that's, that's just rude. No, what's going on there is back in that time, uh, greetings were very lengthy, very long-winded. And Jesus is saying, don't chit-chat, don't dilly-dally on the road, get going. There's a sense of urgency in what Christ is saying. Don't dilly-dally. Now, there will be provision, 
But the provision is not from you, right? You don't take money, don't take baggage, don't take sandals. <laughs> I don't even, do I have to go barefoot? No, don't carry sandals is literally what he said. So you're not packing extra shoes. You, you have shoes on your feet, but get going. You're traveling light. God will provide, God's going to MacGyver this thing along the way, okay? He'll provide for you, but you don't pack baggage. This is like making a mad dash to an emergency room. Some of you have been in that setting, right? Did you stop and pack a suitcase? No, you got going. We'll worry about that other stuff later. There's an urgency. That's what Jesus is saying, get going. So you don't take this and you don't take that, but you, did you notice what you do take? It's actually not in these verses. It was in verses one and two. He sent you out two by two. You're supposed to take each other. One of the essential things you need to take with you in life is Christian fellowship. You cannot do it alone. There are no Lone Ranger Christians. You do it together. You need each other as fellow Christians. That's one of the provisions you take. Now, when you get there into the town, he said, don't go house to house, which is kind of strange. Like, wait, I thought we were supposed to go to the town and tell everyone in the town house to house. Well, yeah, you are, but what he's saying is when you get there, you find somebody who will provide for you, a son of peace. This is somebody that receives you into their house and provides for your room and board. And what Jesus is saying is you, you live in that house as you go throughout the town sharing the message of Jesus. Here's what he's preventing. He doesn't want you to go house to house saying, hey, if you give me a night's stay and a meal, I'll tell you about Jesus. Don't charge for the gospel right? Like, don't be a mooch. Like, what does our culture think? The culture thinks, I might be interested in Jesus, but I don't like the church because the church just wants my money. And that's why when what we say, hey, if you're here for the first time, please don't give us anything. We're just glad you're here. Relax. We love you. Hear the gospel. We don't charge for the gospel. That's what Jesus is addressing right there. And so when you find that one house that does provide for you, he says, eat whatever they put before you. Now, eating in missions gets a little bit interesting at times. I've been out in the mission field, and I've e eaten some wonderful meals. Uh, like, I can remember being up in the mountains of Oaxaca. You remember that, where they, there was handmade tortillas cooked over a wood fire. Oh, they were amazing. I've also eaten crickets. <laughs> Kid you not. Uh, I, I remember meals where they provided meat, uh, nobody said what kind of meat, and it was a little gamey, and all of a sudden we can't find the family dog. Like, you know, like, so we're not sure. We're not, uh, I don't think it was dog. But anyway, uh, it was a little gamey. I can remember being in Senegal and in Africa, and uh, we ate from a common bowl. That's a little weird. Remember the pie wedge? You stay in your pie wedge, right? There were fish meatballs. That was a little strange. And then there were other things in there. We're not really sure what it was. And, and so as Americans, we want to turn our nose up at that. But listen, you understand in those moments, they were providing with us with better than they would ever eat themselves. And, and here we are going to go, uh, no, not, not, not good enough. You realize in that moment, you are representing Jesus, the kingdom, and the gospel. It's not about you. Say, well, I don't want to eat that. It's not about you. You understand when a soldier is out on a mission, out in the field, the soldier doesn't get his favorite meal. You just eat whatever you can. And here they are providing as best they can. Just eat. Bring honor and glory to your Lord. That's provision. God's providing for you. Now listen, I want to tell you this though. If you're at a place where you are, you've gotten going and you're out there and you're ministering for Christ and you're like, I got this, swim out farther. 
If you think you can handle it, you have not swam out far enough. Get to a point where you're like, I I don't have this anymore. And unless God shows up, unless God provides, I I don't know how it's going to work. Swim out, all right? That's the issue of provision. So he is providing for you along the way, uh, and yet one of the realities as we continue in our get going, one of the realities is that there will be rejection. Rejection. And we, we know that because it's the next verse. Uh, we'll continue in the reading here, starting in verse 9. It says, Heal the sick in it, in that town, heal the sick in it, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. Remember, Jesus is coming. The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more tolerable, more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. Oh, and you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. Then he turns to the disciples and he says this. He says, the one who hears you, hears me. And the one who rejects you, rejects me. And the one who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. All right, listen, nobody bats a thousand, not even Jesus, okay? If they rejected Jesus, they will reject you. You should expect that. They rejected Jesus directly to his face when he was doing miracles right in front of them. Of course they're going to reject us at times. Sometimes we say things like, uh, you know what, if God would just show him a sign. Evidently not. Or if I were only better at communicating the message, you could be Jesus doing miracles and they still might reject the message. So don't take it personally. Don't take it personally. They're not rejecting you. They are rejecting Jesus. So when I was on staff with crew, uh, I heard this definition of successful witnessing or telling people about Christ. It's basically, it's not about you. You just do your part. You get going and do your part. You leave the rest to God. It went this way, that successful witnessing is taking the initiative in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. Another way to say that is you do you. You do your part. You leave the other stuff. So you have been, when you got going and you told them about Christ, success, you're done. But what if they reject? You're already successful. Whether they receive or reject, that's their business between them and God. That's not your business. You do you. Now, this is not a license, of course, to be a jerk, right? If you're being a jerk, don't blame it on Jesus, I remember when I was at Kent State seeing guys who would come on the, the campus, these, these evangelists who like to stand on street corners and yell at people, you're going to hell, you whores and you're whoremongers. I don't say that for shock. I literally heard them saying those exact words over and over on Kent State's campus. Now, of course, they would get rejected and they would go away with a martyr's complex. Well, they're just rejecting Jesus. No, they're not. They're rejecting you. Right? You're a jerk, all right? And it's your fault. Don't blame that on Jesus. But if you're not being a jerk, 
if you're being kind-hearted and trying your best, then the rejection, it's not about you. They're not rejecting you. They are rejecting Jesus. So what do you do in that context? Well, you don't fight with them when they reject you. Do you notice we were sent out as lambs, right? Why lambs? If you, if you think about all the animals God has made and how he gives them weapons, like they get talons and claws and fangs and prickly quills and all kinds of weapons, right? What do lambs have? Nothing. No offense, no defense, no weapons. We don't fight. Our weapons are love, hope, healing, the gospel, mercy, grace. After all, we are exporting a message of love and hope and grace and mercy. So that is what we export. Those are our only weapons. Do you see in the passage where it tells you to fight with them? Look for it. It'll take you too long. It's not in there. Okay? There's nothing in there. But do you see what Christians, we are not, and we're never commanded to coerce co- conversion by force. That's not, that, leave that for Islam. That's not a Christian thing. Do you even see in the passage where it tells you to argue with them? That's not in there either. You know who fights with them? God does. Like If they reject, it says on that day. That means later, at the end of time, on God's day, God will argue, God will fight with them. And by the way, when God fights with them, not a fair fight. Right? Not a fair fight. But that means that judgment is coming, justice is coming, God will fight with them, but that is his business, that is his role in his time. It is not our business, it's not our role, it's not our time. Our message is one of peace. We just go and offer peace and hope and joy, that's it. We bring good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. That's our message, that's it. So if they reject, what he says is what you do, though, is you wipe the dust off your feet as you leave. Well, what's with that? It's kind of a weird thing. It's not an American thing, right? So we don't get it. Listen, have you ever broken up with a girlfriend, boyfriend? And you return the stuff, like here's your letter jacket back, here's your ring back, right? Oh, by the way, when you were around me, some dust from you got on me, here's all that back. That's what you're saying. Like, uh, uh, you have rejected, uh, and I don't even want your dust around, right? So look, if you ever see me looking in your direction doing this, not good, right? Not good, right? That's what's going on here. But notice, look, they were not only supposed to, um, w- when they did that, you know what they did after that? They went on to the next town. They just said next and kept right on going. Everybody say, get going. Now say, keep going. That's, they just kept going, right? You rejected, fine, next and keep going. It, it occurs to me, it's like a beer vendor at a baseball park, right? You know these guys, cold beer here, and they just keep going through the park, right? And, and then somebody says, hey, I'll take two, and then he passes them down. Everybody takes a sip and passes it, right? <laughs> right so, and one of these guys, they just go through, and they just keep yelling until somebody says, hey, I want that, right? Here's what they don't do. They don't argue, could you imagine them going down the aisle? You don't want a beer? Are you sure? Because it's really cold. Have you seen the beads of sweat on the side? Do you want to smell it? Do you want to taste it? What are you hating about beer? Do you just want to watch this game? Why are you even here? They don't do that. <laughs> Quit arguing with them. Just go and offer the kingdom of God until somebody says, I, I want that. I need that. And that's who you drill down on. You don't argue with people. And the reason why is because some people do want it. Christ promised in there, he said, the harvest is plentiful. Okay, 
So as we continue, here's the next thing. Some will want it. So now we're going to move towards celebration because some will respond to the message of Christ. In fact, look what it says in chapter 10, verse 17. The 72 returned. Okay, so they were sent out. Now they're coming back. Okay, here's the field report. The 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Doesn't that sound a little bit like a little kid making a report to mom and dad? Right? Like, dad, did you see me score that goal? I sure did, buddy. You were great. You did awesome, man. And you know what? I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, and you did great. Oh, I'm so proud of you, buddy. That's what's going on there. And their, their minds are blown in the midst of it They're, because they can't believe that, that God used them. Look, one of the biggest joys I have in Christian discipleship, not in being a pastor, just being a disciple, is that I, occasionally God lets me share the message of Christ with somebody who hasn't gotten it yet and it connects in that moment and they reconnect with their creator for the very first time. Oh my goodness, you do not want to go through Christian discipleship missing out on that. Don't miss out. To see a life transformed and to know that God used you, crazy as that is, in that process, don't miss out. And now I'll warn you that it is difficult. Uh, it is difficult. I mean, uh, he sends, look at this, the, the difficulty, we're sent out as sheep among wolves, you don't take supplies, eat whatever you can, they will reject you, shake the dust off. That sounds tough. But did you notice something? Look at those verses right there. When they come back, they made no mention of any of that. It was the furthest thing from their minds. They were just about the victory, the, the joy, the fruit. Uh, think of a championship team. After they win the championship, there's the after-game interviews with some of the players or coaches. Hey, how you feeling? Like, the player doesn't go, well, you know what? All year long, the practices were really hard. And those two days in August, oh my goodness, so painful. No, nobody says that. Why? Because all that's forgotten. It's just joy and fruit. And that's, they're celebrating right there. There is celebration going on. I saw what you did, little buddy. Great job. Great job. Men and women, God is still at work today. He is still calling today. The harvest is plentiful today. I don't want you to miss out. I want you to get going. Everybody say, get going. Get going, all right? Now, when you get going, though, don't get cocky and don't get arrogant because there's celebration and fruit and you think you're a big deal all of a sudden. See, as we get going, the last part of it is appreciation for what God has done for us. Look how the passage ends, starting in verse 20. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have, listen to this, you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Thanks for that, Jesus. We can hear you. Right? Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son 
chooses to reveal him. Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that have seen what you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So, so it's harvest time, and you're bringing in the crop, but you've got to understand how little you... Did you cause the harvest to grow? Did you send the sun? Did you send the rain? Did you make the soil? I don't think so. And so even if you look, think back through our passage, look at everything Jesus has done just in this passage. He appointed, sent, instructed, provided, empowered, owned the rejection, watched, rejoiced, revealed, and chose. What did you do by comparison to that? In fact, you didn't even secure your own salvation. He chose you by grace. And you sure didn't secure the salvation of anyone else. So according to this passage, what he goes on to say is that we're actually not that impressive, right? You're not wise and you're not understanding. If you were, God wouldn't have chosen you. But hey, you're on God's team, so what's that mean? So are you smart and funny and beautiful and charismatic and powerful? Nope. Morons. Right? And, And the 12 and the 72 would prove it over and over again, right? And we prove it as well. But here's the good news. Ready? Morons plus Jesus equals a winning hand. Yeah, we're morons. But it's okay. We got Jesus. We're going to be good here. We're going to be good here. And he gets all the glory. All the glory. And sometimes people affirm me and thank me and appreciate it. Pastor Rick, love what's going on here. I love what's going on here too. But I'll tell you what, my, my automatic response, some of you have heard me say it to you or email it back to you. I say all the time, I am just pumped that God has given me a front row seat to watch him do his thing. Because that's what it is. It's him doing his thing. I can't even believe he let me in the stadium, let alone gave me a front row seat to be so close to the action to see him doing what he is doing. You know what my big claim to fame is? I'm a sinner saved by grace. That's it. It's all I got. No, you're a pastor. Do you see how redemption is growing? Yeah, and it blows my mind. And I think what it is, is God loves to draw straight lines with crooked sticks. And we're impressed by his art and his ability. I actually think it's an act of divine comedy. God's like, hey, you guys want to see something? Watch this. I'm going to make Rick McKee into a pastor. Look at this. <laughs> Michael the archangel is like, you're, you're just showing off now, all right? Like, I don't get it. Because you know what? God doesn't need me. The church doesn't need me. Hell deserves me and I deserve hell. I'm just rejoicing that my name is written in heaven. I can't wrap my head around that, let alone the fact that he would use any one of us to get going. It's amazing. Either you're going to come to a point where you think God is lucky to have you or you think God, uh, you are lucky to have God. One of those two will be true. So I want you to get going. Everyone say get going. All right, now as you get going and you see all the things we've covered there, I want to end by giving you some uh, practical suggestions how we can get after that. For international missions, we occasionally have one-week trips that you can say, hey, I'm, I'm in. Oh, don't miss out. Get one of those in in the next couple years. That would be so awesome. So there are mission trips. Some of you would consider a mid-career change, and you'll say, okay, this is big, but here we go. We would love to commission you, send you out, and support you. We're on your team. We'd love that. Some of you might retire to the mission field. When Shannon and I get old and wrinkly, we're like, hey, maybe. Maybe when we're done, we'll go. 
Love that. Some of you are like, you're already old and wrinkly. Shut up, all right? So, uh, but, but so uh, that's, man, that might be the future. for. But remember, it's not all about out there. Christ's mission field is right here. So what can you do? One thing is you can be a regular, meaning wherever you eat, get coffee, where you work out, where you get your hair cut, groceries, go to the same place intentionally every time. Maybe it's not the best deal. You're going anyway. And you're going to build relationships with the employees there. Smile, ask questions, tip generously, right? Think about it, right? But tip generously. And then another thing you can do, very practical, uh, do hobbies with non-Christians. There's stuff you do, stuff you love. Why not fold non-Christians into that world? You get to do what you love, but do it with intentionality and be prayerful for those people. Another thing you can do is you can eat with non-Christians. Turns out, they eat too. Who knew? What an opportunity, right? So at your school, at your work, in your home, welcome them in, feed them, bless them, and in the meantime, ask them questions about their life. Listen to their hopes, listen to their hurts, and be loving them, be prayerful for them. Because what you might do is you might add some of them to your five most wanted, right? And do prayer, care, and share for 2019. Those are some things that you can do here, now, all on your own. But I'll tell you what, there might be other opportunities coming up for you to get going. So coming out of Redemption 101, we're often launching community groups. We, we need, for a community group to launch, what we need is a member who's already in a community group to lead that. Okay? That means they're already in a group where they feel warm and safe and comfortable. And they need to give up and go to and be with. No, I'm good over here. Or maybe a women's Bible uh, table leader or whatever, like... Give up, go to, and be with. You can get going. If you won't even do that, can we just admit that like international missions is way off the table, right? I'll turn up just another notch. What if down the road God starts to use some of what he's doing here and says, hey, I want to do church planning through you guys. Okay, Lord. So we're going to plant a church. We're not there yet, but well, let's say we're going to plant a church two towns over. Would you be willing to move? Sell your house. Buy a new house in that community, invest there. Because what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to get going, right? Say get going. Get going. That's what I want us to do. Now listen, what I'm saying to you is this. Here's where I'll end. Your Christianity, your Christianity is entirely too tame. We are made for mission. We're made for adventure and excitement. And for the Christian disciple, that is all about the mission of Christ and we need to get going. But most of us have stripped that out of Christianity straight away and we make it all about just don't cuss. And then we wonder, why is Christianity so boring and why does it not capture the imagination of our teenagers? So we took all the teeth out of it. Let, let this sear into your mind. Christianity is not about being good. It's about being dangerous. Everybody say, get going. Let's pray. Father, I, I, uh, we want to get going. Uh, and we are uh, just amazed that you would stoop so low and be so gracious to use us. Blows our minds. Father, could we uh, embrace the joy and the excitement, the mission we could get going, not out there, right here, right now. Lead us, Father, into that. And we want to admit before you, Father God, that we are amazed that you would use us. We're amazed that our names would be written in heaven. And in fact, if there's anyone here today who, have, who has not moved out of religion into relationship with you, I want that for them, Father God. Draw them to you, not based on what they do, but based on what Jesus has done. And for those of us who've experienced that, Lord, that's our claim to fame. That's all we've got. 
We're just sinners saved by grace and we're grateful for what you've done in our lives. And now would you use us to export your message so that others could go with us, so that they could worship you, be worshiped now and also in heaven someday. That they would be ones who alongside of us would cry out, hallelujah, hallelujah. And so that they might join us, Lord God, we want to shout it from the mountaintops that you are our God. And we pray that in Christ's name. Amen.